the night before he died on the cross for our sins. That's, that's what we're going to do tonight, tomorrow night, Tuesday night. We're really going to take a close look at the things he said, the things he did right before he was betrayed unto suffering and death. So if you have your Bibles, will you please open up to John's Gospel, John 13. It's where we're going to begin as we take a look at the Last Supper, the Passover meal. Jesus is celebrating with his disciples. He had longed to do so. That time has come. And here in John 13 begins this passage of Scripture that really goes into detail about the things that were on his mind and his heart to share with his disciples right here during the Last Supper. So I'm going to read to us, uh, well, the first 12 verses is what I'm going to start us out with here as we take a look at the washing of the disciples' feet. So let's take a look at this. John 13, verse 1, reading down to verse 12. Here it is. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, And that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? These are some of the last events in the life of Jesus before his brutal execution on a cross. And he knows it's going to happen. I mean, John's very clear here. Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. And he says here in verse 3, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper and he does this amazing thing. So it makes me wonder, what what would you do, what would I do, if we knew we only had 
24 hours or, or less, within 24 hours, Jesus will be dead and in the tomb. So what would you do if you knew you only had one day left to live? I mean, what kind of things would you do? What would you do? Would you just have a great time, eat whatever you wanted to, enjoy whatever you wanted to do? I know what my wife would do. She would eat all of the foods that she hasn't been able to eat for the last seven years because of celiac disease. She would go eat all of those things. And then, if she was wrong about the one day, she would suffer greatly for many weeks, and so would the rest of us in the house. So, what would you do? What would you do? Jesus spends time here with his disciples. This is a crucial time. He knows his hour has come, and he does this. He has this last meal with his disciples. True story, in September 2011, the state of Texas abolished all special last meal requests for condemned prisoners, you know, like on death row when they're going to be executed and what would you like to have? Here's why. Lawrence Brewer, convicted criminal to be executed in September 2011, he requested, this is true, he requested this for his last meal and because of the rules they had at the time, he got it. Here it comes. Two chicken fried steaks with gravy and sliced onions. Does this sound good? He wasn't done. A triple patty bacon cheeseburger. Does that sound good? A cheese omelet with ground beef, tomatoes, onions, peppers. A bowl of fried okra with ketchup. And is that even right? Like, with ketchup. About halfway done. One pound of barbecued meat with half a loaf of white bread. Three fajitas, a meat lover's pizza, one pint of bluebell ice cream, a slab of peanut butter fudge with crushed peanuts, and three root beers. And then when they brought it to him, Lawrence Burr said, I'm not hungry. And he didn't eat any of it. So Texas, like Texas does, said, we're done with that. We're not going to do that anymore. This is Jesus' last meal, the feast that remembered the deliverance of Israel by the blood of the Lamb that foreshadowed his own death on the cross, and he gives it new meaning when he says, this is my body, this is my blood which is given for you, this is how we got our conference name, Table Talk, the Upper Room Discourse, Lessons from the Last Supper. So here he is, the night before he dies sharing some very important things with his disciples. But he does something here in addition to giving new meaning to an ancient feast. There's something else he does here. He gets up from the table and he washes his disciples' feet. Now, perhaps we've gotten so used to at least hearing about some traditions that some churches have where they wash one another's feet, so maybe this isn't that big of a surprise to us to hear this, but in this day, this was astounding. No master would wash his disciples' feet. There's no record beside Jesus of this happening in Jewish culture, Roman culture, Greek culture. This was astounding. It was a task that was reserved for servants. You could wash your own feet, but you would not wash someone else's feet. Absolutely unthinkable that it would happen. He washes his disciples' feet. 
want you to go ahead and take your shoes off, your socks off, turn to your neighbor. Now his feet. I mean, think about this. How humbling is this? What is he doing here? He's washing his disciples' dirty feet. There were no sidewalks back in ancient Israel, right? And there were no sneakers and boots. What did they wear? Sandals. Feet got dirty, walking in the dirty streets of Jerusalem, and here they get to the upper room. They are enjoying the Passover celebration together, and Jesus gets up, lays aside his outer garments, takes a towel, ties it around his waist, pours water into a basin, and there you see it for yourself. Verse 5, he began to wash the disciples' feet. This is a sheer act of humiliation. This is a humbling thing. Guys, this is feet we're talking about here. Feet are kind of nasty, aren't they? I mean, come on, be honest. Feet are kind of gross. My daughter is a preschool teacher. One of my daughters is, and she told us not long ago that there is a student in her preschool class who will pick out the stuff between her toes and eat it. (laughs) Some of you have had kids like that, right? Right? Some of you have. Some of you were kids like that. And the rest of us just think you're gross and disgusting. It's feet, people. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus, the, the, the Son of God, the Savior, He who has come from glory, He washes His disciples' feet. I mean, it's 24 hours or less before He's in the tomb and He's washing Feet, this is incredible. A profound display of humility. The Father had given all things into His hands, John says in verse 3. All things given into His hands. What does He do with those hands? He washes dirty feet. 24 of them. Two of which He knew would soon get up and walk out and go and betray Him. He washes feet. What a, what a profound display of humility. And then he asks this question in verse 12, after he has put his outer garments back on, resumed his place, do you understand what I have done to you? Do you understand this? J.C. Ryle says of this text, there is really two things to pay attention to. And the first is the practical the plain and practical lesson which lies upon its surface, so that which you can see immediately. So he says, pay attention to the plain, practical lesson which lies upon its surface, but also, this is where I really want us to land tonight, also the deep spiritual lessons which lie beneath its surface. So there's two things to look at here when we're considering Jesus washing his disciples' feet, and that is that which is obvious, the practical lesson, and in fact, he even tells them in the next couple of verses, hey, I've done this as an example for you that you should be willing to wash one another's feet. And let's go ahead and take a look at that. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also... You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So he comes right out to the practical 
plain, obvious lesson that, yes, we are to be servants. We're to serve one another. So that's a very plain, on-the-surface application to Jesus washing his disciples' feet. We really are called to serve one another, right? I mean, it's a call to servanthood when you follow Jesus Christ, to serve other people, to to do as he has done. In fact, in Luke's recording of the Passover meal, uh, Luke actually says that the disciples during the meal were arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest among them. (laughs) Same meal that Jesus washes their feet. Of course, Jesus is the greatest, is the servant of all. And we're called to serve. So on the surface, a very practical application to Jesus washing his disciples' feet. One of the things he did the night before he died on the cross, washing their feet, showing them that they are to serve one another and reminding us that we are to be servants. I'm going to take just a minute here and move this aside. I feel like it's going to hit me in the face. There we go. So, that's on the surface. That is clear and plain from this passage. But then, beneath the surface, something else is happening here, and you catch a hint of it between the exchange of Peter, who is surprised, saying, "Uh, no, you're not going to wash my feet, and then, of course, overdoing it as only Peter can. Well, if you're going to wash my feet, then my hands and my head too. In this exchange, these words, these dialogue that we see here between Jesus and Peter, there's more than a hint of it. Jesus is doing something to them to show them something. And him washing the feet of his disciple is a picture, a snapshot, if you will, of his life and ministry. It is a picture of his entire life and ministry in this one act of humility as he washes his disciples' feet. Leon Morris says it like this, it is a parable in action. He's not speaking this parable. He's not telling riddles. He's showing them. It is a parable in action, setting out that great principle of lowly service, which finds its supreme embodiment at the cross. That's what he's doing here. He's showing them that great principle of lowly service, which finds its supreme embodiment at the cross. So he's showing in one event a summary of his life and his ministry. And he he says to to Peter, he says in verse 7, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. He's giving them a picture of what he was about to do. It wasn't just the bread and it wasn't just the wine sitting on the table that pointed to the cross that night. It was Jesus Washing his disciples' feet. A summary, if you will, of his life in ministry. Back in the mid-90s when I was still in Bible college, there was a very, very popular song. You don't hear it so much these days anymore, but it was super, super popular. Lord, I lift your name on high. How many know that song? I'm not going to have us sing it, but Lord, I lift your name on high. Okay, there's a part of there that says, you came from heaven... To earth, to show the way from the earth to the cross, my 
debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. And since I went to a Pentecostal Bible college, we got to use our hands, right? So I don't know if any of you know those hand motions to this, but, you know, you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross my debt to pay from the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky and you're like full pentecostal grave to the sky lord i lift your name on high that little that little chorus was a summary of the ministry of jesus right it like told you in a nutshell you saw a picture of what he did he came from heaven to earth to show the way and he went to the cross to my debt to pay from the cross to the grave grave to the sky so there you have this picture of it so it is with this washing of his disciples feet the symbolism here is intense as he is intentionally demonstrating his humility here. I mean, look at this. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 5. I mean, they're, they're written here as if John can't help but to remember the events, as if they've been burned into his memory. And here he is, decades later, writing his gospel, and he's remembering these details. That's how intense the symbolism was that night before Jesus died when he washed his disciples' feet. Look at it, verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Look, he, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. Came from heaven to earth. It's like a, a picture of, of the condensation of, of Jesus as he, as he is willing to humbly come and be among people. You, you see that he, he's... He rose from supper. He lays aside his outer garments. He takes a towel, ties it around his waist. Now, he, now he's taking the appearance of a servant. And then he pours water into a basin and he begins to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around them. Then you skip down to verse 12. After he had done that, when he had washed their feet, he, he puts his garments back on and he resumes his place. It's like this picture of Jesus coming and, and descending and dying and serving and then ascending back into heaven. You see, almost like Philippians 2, 7 through 9 on display right here. Philippians 2 says this, he emptied himself, talking about Jesus, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. You see in this act of washing the disciples' feet, you see all of this. Jesus came to serve. He came to save. He came to wash them. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. He says to Peter, who's complaining, who's not understanding clearly what's happening here, he says, if I do not wash you, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. What symbolism there? Are you washed? 
If you are washed, you have share with Jesus. If you're not washed, this is what you need. You need the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. The Bible often uses washing language to describe spiritual cleansing. Here's just a, here's just a taste for you, just a handful of verses. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So cleansing her by the washing of water with the word. Hebrews 10.22 Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Symbolism of being cleansed. The psalmist cried out, Psalm 51 verse 2, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. The language of washing is used to describe spiritual cleansing. Titus 3, 4, 5, and 6, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 6.11, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So you see here, often in Scripture, washing and Cleansing is used to describe a spiritual cleansing. Clearly, there's a deeper meaning here than Jesus simply saying, your feet are dirty, I'm going to go ahead and wash them for you. Like he's saying, I have washed you. And I am willing to wash your dirty feet. This is one of the things Jesus did the night before he died. He washed feet. Showing his willingness to cleanse his disciples, to cleanse us from our sin. We understand here that he's, when he's talking about that, that his disciples are clean, he's, he, we understand that he's talking about he has, he has cleansed them. And he even says uh, in verse 10, Jesus said, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, he's saying to his disciples. But not every one of you, because he knew Judas was sitting there. He washed the feet of the man who betrayed him. Why did he do that? Well, you already know. He loved them to the end. He's, he just shows this example. What a picture. What a Savior. Jesus enters into our dirty world. We all have dirt. And yet he's willing to... Cleanse us, our dirty world, our dirty laundry, our dirty little secrets, our dirty lives, and He cleanses us. There's a profound lesson here. He still washes feet. He still washes those who come to Him. He still cleanses those who come. We're clean by the washing of Jesus, but we sometimes still get our feet dirty. We know we do, right? So there's many who see in here also a hint 
of Him washing their feet, of the ongoing cleansing power that comes from the Gospel. Not just this one-time washing of regeneration, but this ongoing cleansing power of the Gospel for when we get our feet dirty. Because we do, right? We get out there, we make mistakes, we sin intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes it's a mix of both, sometimes you don't really know what it was. What do you do when you get your feet dirty? What do you do, believers, when you get your feet dirty? When you know that you've, you've walked places you shouldn't have walked. You've picked something up on your feet that you shouldn't have picked up. You know things aren't right. What do you do? John answers that. He doesn't answer it here in John 13, but he answers it in one of his other letters. First John 1, 7, 8, and 9 say this, But if we walk in the light... As He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, you know this is one of the most precious verses in the Bible. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What do you do when your feet get dirty? You go to Jesus and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. So what do we learn here in this introduction to lessons learned around the table, table talk, lessons at the Last Supper? We learn that we have a Savior who is willing to cleanse us from all of our dirt. And this is good news. In fact, this is why he came, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's about to go to the cross the very next day and do it. That is how important John chapter 13 is. He shows them by example that he's come to serve, that he's come to wash them. And the very next day, as he is on the cross, their sins are washed away by the blood of the Lamb. That's how important this stuff is. That's what Jesus did and said on the night before he died on the cross. This is, this is the things that were on his mind and on his heart when he knew his hour had come. He knew the end was near. He knew the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and was going back to God. He knew the cross was right around the corner. He knew he was going to be betrayed. And what does he do? He washes dirt off his disciples' feet, telling them, you don't understand this now. But afterwards, you will understand. He says, do you understand what I have done to you? And man, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can answer that question. You can answer the question found in verse 12. Do you understand what I have done to you? You can say, yes, you, you have washed me white as snow. You have forgiven me for all of my sins. You have cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Or as the old song says, what can wash away my sin? What's the answer to that? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? For my pardon, this I see. For my cleansing, this my plea. That's right. Amen.
May God add his blessing to the preaching of his word. Let me pray for us, and then we'll take just a couple of minute break, five minute break, and then we will sing, and then very encouraged to hear Brandon Dees continue in the next section here in John 13. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. We're so grateful for what we see here, what your son did, what he showed us, his humility, his servanthood, his desire to wash his disciples, and the hope that that gives us here tonight as we consider that this is not something that he, he does only for his hand-picked 12 apostles. No, this is the experience of all who come to your son, Jesus Christ. They are cleansed. And we are so grateful for that cleansing tonight. Thank you for showing us in your word the things that were on your son's mind and heart, the things that he did and said before he was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We thank you, and we praise you, and we honor you. And we offer all of this in the name of the one who still washes feet, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take just a